our featured topic is the five fantasy books that I've read recently that have female-female romance. I know, I'm so gay. This is going to be in two parts. I'll talk about the first three books in this episode and then a more in-depth, spoiler-filled reaction to the last two books on the list in the next one. Uh, I don't know about you, but I haven't really encountered a lot of female-female couples in fantasy books. I mean, queer characters, yes, definitely. But featured canon queer female couples, not so much. Or maybe my knowledge is still very very limited. So during the holidays, I went ahead and searched for some book recommendations. And these are five of the most recommended. Obviously, there were more, but these are the ones that I've actually read. I basically binge read them, so without further ado, let me tell you about these books. First book on the list is The Abyss Surrounds Us. The Abyss Surrounds Us is a science fiction YA by Emily Skrutsky, uh, published in 2016, and it also has a sequel called Edge of the Abyss, published in 2017. And to give you an overview, this takes place in a future society where a group of people raise and breed genetically engineered sea monsters called Reckoners. And Cassandra Lung, our main character, is a junior trainer, and they get paid to protect ships passing through the pirate-infested New Pacific Ocean. Um, Our plot moves forward when Cassandra was sent to her first solo mission aboard a luxury ship together with her Reckoner. However, they were attacked by a pirate ship, her Reckoner got killed, and she got kidnapped by the pirates. And uh, the pirates' uh, captain tasked her to raise their own Reckoner pup, and so basically her survival depends on it. There's definitely a queer romance here uh, between uh, Cassandra and Swift. Swift is one of the captain's trainees who was in charge of uh, being Cassandra's bodyguard while she's on the ship training the Reckoner. This is a slow burn, definitely an enemies to lovers trope. Actually, now that I've mentioned it, all the books on this list I noticed follow the enemies to lovers trope i guess that's the norm i don't know um so going back to the book the abyss around us um what i like about it is that the lgbt community is fully integrated in the society uh there's a lot of diverse characters you know clearly from reading about them that they're they came from different cultures and different parts of the world unfortunately though Overall, um, I didn't enjoy this book as much as I would have liked to. I skimmed a lot of parts because the prose was not really compelling and I didn't really care about the characters. If you want strong, well-developed female characters, you will not find them here, unfortunately. Um, I found the main character annoying at times. Uh, I think uh, she's supposed to be 17 or 18, as well as Swift. Uh, But they came across as very childish. Um, Cassandra, selfish and immature. And uh, she made decisions by the end of this book that are just not realistic and convincing, at least from my point of view. So needless to say, I'm not going to read the sequel. I just could not get behind a character that I don't believe in. Moving on, the next book that I want to talk about is Cryer's War. 
That's C-R-I-E-R. I think. Am I correct? C-R-I-E-R. <laughs> right. Crier's War. So this is a debut novel from an American author named Nina Varela. This was published in 2019. And uh, this actually has a sequel too called Iron Heart. Um, not yet published. I think this will come out in 2020. So to give you an overview, uh, this centers around a war between two kinds, the humankind and the automate. The automate are human-created machines, which has advanced and you know has taken over the world and has seized power. And they rule in a society wherein humans are kept as servants. Our two protagonists, true to the fashion of the tragic love story, are members of these opposing kinds. Cryer is the daughter of the sovereign, who is one of the most senior leaders of the of the autumn kind, and Ayla is a human who has lost her family and everything that she had during the autumn raid when she was a child. So Ayla is definitely coming from a place of pain and trauma that fuel her anger and rage towards the autumn. And you can see why she wants revenge. And for her, the ultimate revenge would be killing the sovereign's daughter. Ayla is a servant of the palace, and there was a key point early in the story wherein she ended up saving Cryer's life, and this was the first time that they met face-to-face, and because of this event, Cryer makes Ayla her handmaiden. And this is the point of the book where you get more hooked because you would want to see how this would develop and uh, how this development would affect their characters in terms of their decisions, their motivations. Now that these two very different worlds or their two different worlds are in such close proximity to each other. And aside from that, there's so many other things happening in the background. Um, There's political maneuverings among the Otome leadership and on the human side, there's this brewing revolution about to happen. So overall, this was a positive experience for me reading this book. Um, this was a slow burn romance that rewards you at the end but again it offers a lot more than that the world building could have been done a little bit better i think there are some areas that i would have wanted to have been explored more but other than that overall like i said i've had a positive experience with this book so i'm glad to recommend it to you guys if you're specifically looking for female-female romance that's canon and front and center in a fantasy book, then uh, you should give this a try. And this book has a cliffhanger at the end that makes you want to read the sequel right away. I gave this book 3 out of 5 stars. It's not perfect, obviously, but I think it's one of the better ones. And speaking of better books, the next one received a lot of buzz and excitement during its release. And uh, recently when I was looking for it on Amazon uh, to buy and download to my Kindle, I saw the blurb and it says, Lesbian necromancers explore a haunted gothic palace in space. Definitely got my attention. (laughs) Definitely got my attention. So this is called Gideon the Ninth. It is the first book in the Locktomb series by the author Tamsin Muir, who has been nominated for the Nebula Award. Uh, this is a sequel called Harrow the Ninth, uh, which is expected to be released this 2020. I'd love to recommend this to you guys, not just because of the female-female romance, quote-unquote, on the romance, but also because 
I thought it was incredibly hilarious. It has great lead characters. It was very immersive. It was a fast read. The premise was outrageous, but it was so much fun. And to give you an idea of what this book is about, Gideon is an 18-year-old orphan who has been raised in the necromantic cult of the ninth house. So there are nine houses, each on a different planet, and each house has necromancers with their own specialized necromantic ability. Gideon is not a necromancer herself, but is actually a servant of the ninth house, and she's been trying to escape since she was a kid, I think as early as six years old, I'm not sure, but has never been successful mostly because of Harrow, her nemesis, who has made her life miserable since they were children. Harrow also happens to be the reverend daughter of the ninth house and one of the most powerful necromancers of her generation. The book opens up with Gideon plotting yet another escape, but Harrow, always one step ahead, uh, was again able to foil her plan and uh, says that she would allow Gideon freedom if Gideon agrees to perform one last service of her, of being her cavalier, which is like her own personal guard in a mission that she's about to embark on, which has to do with the emperor god summoning all the house's uh, necromancers with their cavaliers to go to the first house and defeat challenges or perform whatever is necessary to become one of his lictors. So lictors are like immortal powerful servants um, of the emperor and Harrow is very determined to become a lictor because the survival of her house depends on it. It's a weird book, but I absolutely enjoyed the relationship dynamic and the interactions between Harrow and Gideon were very enjoyable to read and they are definitely two of my new favorite characters in fantasy and uh, I, I thought this book has strong character development. I enjoy the world and there's also kind of like a whodunit murder mystery <laughs> in between. So... It's, it's very good. Um, I would say though that at one point I had to go back to the characters list at the beginning of the book several times because there were a lot of characters and um, as mentioned there were nine houses and each house has at least two representatives, their necromancer and um, uh, the cavalier and you get to be introduced to them almost all at the same time except for Gideon and Harrow. And there were scenes where they would talk to each other in groups, so it's a little bit hard to follow. Um, so if you're planning to listen to this via audiobook and you haven't read it previously, then I would advise you against that, obviously. But um, if you have a good memory and you think that it would be no problem for you, then um, go ahead by all means. This book has uh, received mixed reviews, but for me, Gideon the Ninth is a good, fast-paced, fun read and I would definitely recommend you to pick it up. And that concludes part one of the five fantasy books I've read recently with female female romance and we're gonna continue on with the last two books on this list on the next episode. We'll discuss The Priory of the Orange Tree, an 800 page book by Samantha Shannon who describes her novel as a feminist retelling of St. George and the Dragon. It has received great buzz and mostly positive reviews. I've read it in four days and I'm going to share with you my thoughts about it. And last but not the least, 
is This Is How You Lose the Time War by Emma Elmotar and Max Gladstone about two time-traveling agents from two warring empires. They send each other letters across strands of time and eventually fall in love. So that's it for today. If you made it this far, I don't know how, but I hope you join me again on the next one. And uh, yeah, bye. Thank you.